0: It changed everything a whole lot more than Barabbas realized. You know, when we look at the story of Barabbas, I think often we overlook who Barabbas was, what Barabbas was all about. See, often we want to call Barabbas a thief, but who really was Barabbas? Well, each gospel gave us information about Barabbas, and let's put that together. Mark 27, or Matthew 27, verse 16, and they had a, Notable or notorious prisoner called Barabbas, Mark 15:7. and there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And then you have Luke 23, verse 19, who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder, was cast into prison. John chapter 18, verse 40. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. See, when we look at all of this together, some people want to just say that Barabbas was a thief, but that was a little bit just minor in comparison to who Barabbas really was. See, was Barabbas a thief? Yes, but the word that they use for thief is kleptos, which is where we get the word kleptomaniac. See, he wasn't a kleptus. He wasn't called a kleptomaniac. Here's what he was called. He was called a lestis, which means that he was a bandit, a leader of an insurrection. Barabbas killed people. Barabbas stole, but it was in defiance to the Romans. See, Barabbas was a Jew. Barabbas was the leader of a group of Jews. Some might call him a zealot. Other might call him a name called a Sakari. Now, a Sakari, they had a special name because they were called Sicari because they carried what we call a Sicarius or a Sicar in their cloak. Now, this was a little dagger. And here's what these guys would do at a protest because the Romans were in authority over the Jews. They would go into really crowded places and they would look for high appointed Roman officials or Jewish people that sympathized and worked with the Romans. And they would stab them multiple times very quickly in a crowd. And then they would disappear into the group of people and act like they discovered that person dying and start to pretend to render aid to them they got away with so many murders this way they would steal as a way to fund their operation but they would only steal from the romans now why the romans couldn't stand the zealots and the Sicarii? let me tell you some jews viewed them as heroes some jews viewed them as saving graces or we might even say the word saviors barabbas was something special. Barabbas was picked up at some point for all of his deeds. He was found guilty. There was no denying his guilt. And I imagine that when they captured him, the Romans were so excited. They probably rode him handcuffed and bound on top of a horse. Everybody could see him and they put him into a prison. Now, why did they put him into a prison? See, because most of the time, if you were guilty of a crime back then, especially one of that magnitude, the punishment was rather swift. It went pretty quickly. You could get the guy in front of a government official, a Roman who would deem them guilty, and they would receive the punishment to their crime fast. But he was in prison. Why? Because the Passover was coming. What the Jews wanted to do, or the Romans wanted to do, is wait They wanted to wait because the population of Jerusalem was about to explode. There was going to be so many Jews coming into Jerusalem. It was going to quadruple in size overnight for all the people coming to do their sacrifices. And the Romans were going to use Barabbas and some of his friends to send a message. The message was going to be, don't mess with Rome. The message was going to be you come against us and we will come against you. And they wanted for all of these Jews coming in to see some fresh people on those crosses dying, screaming out and suffering to send the message that the Romans should not be messed with. I can just only imagine as Barabbas is waiting his punishment. See, I've talked to some death row chaplains before some executioners before and they told me some interesting things here's what's interesting see I've heard stories about guys on death row that knew that they were going to be executed by a hanging and what would end up happening is the guards would say that they would rub their neck for days as if they could already feel the noose around their throat starting to clench in I've heard of guys that knew that they were going to die by way of lethal injection. And knowing that needle was going to come in, they would start to rub their arm as if they already could feel the poison slipping through their veins. I've heard stories of people that, knowing that they were going to die by a gas chamber, would practice holding their breath and would wake up in the middle of the night gasping for air because they already could sense it and they could feel it coming. In Barabbas, knowing he was going to die by crucifixion, I wonder if he started to feel his wrists. I wonder if he started to rub his feet. I wonder if he started to think about the pain. I wonder if he started to rub his back and think about how the Romans were going to stretch him out over a post and beat his back until it was unrecognizable. I imagine he had a lot of stress in that cell and then he hears a commotion he starts to hear people yelling and screaming and he starts to hear something weird they start to say bring us barabbas now that had to be really terrifying he must have thought his hour had come his moment was there and as the jailer walks over he sees the man coming the man that's going to lead him to his cross and this jailer unlocks his door Pulls Barabbas out and leaves him, leads him chained and shackled. But instead of walking to the cross, he brings him in front of a crowd. He might be thinking he's about to have a very public death, but then he sees this other man he might have heard of before standing near him, and Pilate standing in between. And for some unexplainable reason, he goes free while this man that he knew had never caused problems, had never done anything but heal people and love people and teach people, took his cross. There is some power in the story of Barabbas. See, life is full of choices and there's a character in this story named Pilate who had to make some very significant, powerful choices choices in this text. See, Pilate was a very interesting person. Very interesting person. He was a very hard man. Studies show, not studies, um, cultural stuff show, historically, historians say that Pilate was actually born a slave, but had risen through the ranks. And one of the reasons why he was in the position that he was is because he has married a close relative of Caesar, Because of this, he's able to get some power. And then he was very cold, calculating, a very cruel man. And he was a man who would do anything in order to further himself, in order to further his career. And he is put as the governor in Jerusalem to oversee these group of Jews that do not want the Romans in authority. And he starts to poke He has this personality where he wants to show that he's boss. He wants to show that he's powerful. He wants to show that he is in control. So he starts to act like it and it starts to cause some problems. See, he takes full control of their funds. He takes money from their temple and uses it to fund some aqueducts. He marches into Jerusalem with banners and with poles with graven images on them. So he's banners with eagles on them. And then he has these big old poles with eagles on them and he places them all around their temple. Now, why is that a problem? Because for the Jews, there was a big no no where they could not have a graven image, right? And he's doing this as a mockery to them, making them upset, making them uncomfortable. And then just to add insult to injury, he also had so many executions that he performed without any form of a trial. And then in Luke 13, verses one through three, we get this story about him running into a Galilean Jews, a few Galilean Jews who were worshiping, and he slaughtered them and mixed their blood with the blood of their sacrifice and spilled it all over the altar just to desecrate anything that they would call holy or righteous. Now, you can't do any of those things without developing a reputation. And he developed a pretty nasty reputation. He had lost the respect of the Jews. And in turn, complaints were getting all the way back to Caesar. Pilate had been warned, as we've been told in different historical documents, that he needed to be very careful on the moves that he made Next, he was on very thin ice. People were not going to keep him in authority for much longer. And with his job on the line, Jesus comes into play. Jesus comes into play, and Pilate views himself as the judge of Jesus Christ. Now, what Pilate didn't even recognize in the moment was that he put himself in a position of authority over the great high priest over the great judge and ruler of all creation let's look together at matthew 27 verse 11 now jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him are you king of the jews jesus said you have said so but he was accused by the chief priests and elders and he gave no answer Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? Do you not hear all the gossip they say about you? Do you not hear about all of the things that they are saying that you've said and that you've done? But what does Jesus say in verse 14? He gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. See, there's this real powerful moment because Pilate loved Pilate. Pilate loved himself more than anything. He loved control. He loved power. And he asks him a question that's very loaded. Are you king of the Jews? You want to know why Pilate asked that? Because Pilate, in his heart, was king of the Jews. And if Jesus would have said in that moment, I'm king of the Jews. I'm king, not just of the Jews. I'm king and Lord over all. Can I tell you that Pilate's heart would have immediately hardened and that execution would have happened immediately. I don't even know if Jesus would have made it to the cross. I think that Pilate would have taken out vengeance in that moment with how big his pride and his ego was. But Jesus answers humbly. Not only that, but he says, listen, people say a whole lot of things about you, Jesus. People are making up a lot of rumors. They are saying that you wanna overthrow Rome they're saying you want to tear down their temple. They're saying that you want to do all kinds of weird stuff like eat blood and drink bodies the other way around. You know where I'm coming from. Things are getting weird. And Jesus doesn't say anything. Jesus remains silent. Why doesn't Jesus try to defend himself? Because Jesus wasn't in the business of trying to save his life. Jesus knew it was time for him to make the ultimate sacrifice and so Pontius Pilate has this prisoner in front of him and he's used to seeing prisoners in front of him he's does thousands of executions in his lifetime but this one was different verse 15 now at the feast the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted so he has this moment. He has this out. Because it's Passover, they do something that symbolized what Passover was about. See, Passover was about when the Jews were able to get out of Egyptian rule. And they were able to get out of Egyptian rule and make their beginning, make their start of the Exodus where they made it into the promised land. And so this is this cool moment where they're, uh, they, they celebrate them who were enslaved now going free. So in order to celebrate The Roman government is going to allow them to release one prisoner who was enslaved and let him go free. Now, I believe Pilate did think that they would allow Jesus to go free. I think he thought this would be his out because he already has a check. But look at verse 16. They had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Now, notorious. He was well known. People knew about Barabbas. He had a following. Verse 17. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to him, who do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of what? Out of envy that they had delivered him up. Now, why were they envious of Jesus? See, the rabbis were the ones that were envious. The rabbis and the, the, the prophets, the, these guys that call themselves the religious leaders, they were the ones that were upset. they were the ones bringing up this uprising, trying to influence people to want to see Jesus crucified. Now, why were they envious? See, back in the day, the rabbis were the celebrities in Jerusalem. The rabbis were the ones who were respected. The rabbis were the ones that were brought in that had power and position and authority as much as a Jew could have under Roman rule. But Jesus comes in and he steals their thunder. He takes the attention. He didn't obey their rules he didn't go off of their traditions see if all of them were wearing suit and tie to preach Jesus was wearing a pair of cargo shorts and a t-shirt like that's how he was rolling Jesus was not trying to go by what they called appropriate Jesus was going by what he felt like who he was he was being who he was called to be it wasn't their standards and they had a problem with that somebody needs to hear that some days Sometimes I think we put standards in our life that Jesus never put. Sometimes I think that we think that what God called us to do, that's not in the scripture he called other people to do. Don't expect other people to live by standards that you don't find in here. Listen, what ends up happening is Jesus starts to make them all mad and Jesus begins to speak following. It's incredible. People are coming left and right. We actually see in the book of John chapter six, verse 14, After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, this is when he fed thousands, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Verse 15, this is where it gets good. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So Jesus knew they wanted to make him king. But why didn't he want for them to make him king? Because they didn't want for Jesus to be his version of a king. They didn't want the loving king that Jesus was. What did they want? They wanted a warrior king. We recognize in the second coming of Christ, he will come back as a warrior. But in the first coming, that is not how he came. They wanted him riding on a stallion. He came in riding on a donkey. They wanted a warrior, but they got a servant They wanted hate, but they got love. They have an issue with this. You know who they really wanted? You know who they really wanted? You know what kind of king they truly wanted? They wanted Barabbas. They wanted a man that would come in, that would take the bull by the horns, that would kill and not feel guilty, that would only love the Jews and would only be concerned about the Jews and would do whatever it took to make sure that the Jews get further in this life. But Jesus was concerned about their next life and Jesus wasn't just concerned about the Jews he was concerned about the Jews the Gentiles everyone in between they had an issue with Jesus see they have this they have this donkey riding hillbilly preacher that comes into town and they just don't know what to make of him because he's completely uncontrollable He's doing these things that just don't make sense to them, that good Jewish people shouldn't do, especially not a Jewish religious leader. He kept breaking all of their man-made traditions, like he went home with a tax collector and ate with him. How dare you hang out with somebody that trades on his own people to get paid by Romans? This was a no-no, but then not only that, he goes into Samaria where no Jew should ever go, and he hangs out with a Samaritan woman, not just a Samaritan woman, but a woman who had five husbands. That was a problem. Hey, y'all, not all at the same time. I saw a little girl's head go big. Hey, not, not all at the same time, I promise. Different times, okay? But just, sorry, that, that mouth got huge on that little girl. It was adorable. Five husbands at once. that would be That would be pretty scary. Here's what ends up happening. He makes all of these friends that the Jewish leaders just cannot get behind. They cannot get it. They cannot understand. They cannot control what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was all about. See, he also had this young lady brought before him one time and she was naked because she was caught in the act of adultery and all of these Jewish religious leaders wanted to stone her. But instead of being a part of her crucifixion, Jesus steps into the gap and protects this young lady and loves this young lady and shows grace to this young woman. See, that causes a problem. For the Jews. He's twisting everything up on its head. How do you control a man like that? They needed a king that they could manipulate, they needed a king that they could mold. But how do you mold a man that looks at a blind man and tells him to see? How do you stop a man who looks at a leper and says, Be healed, and his leprosy? Falls away. How do you stop a person who says to somebody with a horrible disease to be well and they are well? How do you stop a man and slow down a man who says to a person who's been dead for four days to get up and walk and he walks? You cannot control our Jesus. You cannot manipulate our Jesus. You can't put our Jesus into a box. Let me go ahead and tell you something. When you try to live your life molding Jesus to your values, Values and your rules and your morals and your comforts you are never going to be following the Jesus that died on that cross for you You want to follow this man-made Jesus that you came up with and that's what the Jews were wanting The Jews were wanting the Barabbas Jesus not Jesus the Christ the son of the living God That was their problem Barabbas was the Jesus who was in control He did everything he could just to control situations, to kill, to seek vengeance. And Jesus comes in and he loves. There was a big difference between Barabbas and Jesus, but they loved them, some Barabbas. Verse 19, besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word for him, have nothing to do with this righteous man. For I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Pilate's wife even says, man, I've been around government my whole life. She was a relative of Caesar. Things aren't good. like, don't mess with Jesus. This is a no-go. But verse 20, the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. And the governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they say, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, now, If I give you Barabbas, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? What shall his punishment be? Their response, let him be crucified. Verse 23. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. They wanted their religion. They didn't want Jesus. They wanted their rules, their comfort, their tradition, but they didn't want Jesus, verse 24. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and he washes his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. You want to know why Pilate had to be in the mix? Because the Jews weren't allowed to kill anybody. The Jews weren't allowed to execute anybody because they were not governing themselves anymore. So the only way they're gonna get rid of Jesus is by having Pilate and the Romans commit the execution. Verse 25, all of the people, all the Jews answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So when we look at this text, there's a few connections I see between us and Barabbas. See, first of all, Barabbas had potential. Barabbas was not born the same notorious criminal that he was. He had potential to do something great. You know what his name means? I found this out this week, it blew my mind. Bar Abbas. Bar means son of, and Abba means father his name was son of the father now a lot of historians want to debate what exactly that means some think it means son of a rabbi son of him some of them think it means son of the father like the like the father's prized possession almost like calling him a junior and some of them think it means son of the father talking about the lord son of father god i don't quite know but here's what i'll tell you barabbas was loved by some. Barabbas was loved by some, and he was not born this notorious criminal, but that's the life he chose to live. But then it gets even better. See, just like guys like Sar- Simon Barjona, Barjona means Simon, Simon Peter, son of Jonah. Simon Barjona. But we actually know that Barabbas had another name Yeshua Barabbas you know what that translates to? Jesus, son of the father. So when Pilate is looking at the crowd, he says, do you want Jesus, son of the father, or are you to want Jesus, the Christ? Do you see this moment? Now think back to him being in his cell, waiting for his execution, and he hears them condemning Jesus. He's thinking he is about to go down. He is thinking that that cross already has his name on it, and it did. But something, someone came in and took his place. Not only did Barabbas have potential, but then we see this. We see that Barabbas was a lawbreaker. He was unquestionably guilty, just like all of us. Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm Barabbas. You are Barabbas. And just like Barabbas, we deserve what? We deserve to be punished. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. We deserve the death. We deserve hell. We deserve the grave. Barabbas deserved the death that was coming to him. He was rightly to be held as prisoner. But the rest of 6.23 is great. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Because Barabbas was set free because Jesus took his place. Jesus, not a lawbreaker. Jesus, not guilty. Jesus, not deserving of punishment. In John 18, 38, even Pilate says, I can find no fault, no guilt, no error in Jesus the Christ. Yet Barabbas was set free. You know what I find crazy? You know, Jesus didn't own anything pretty much. His whole life, he borrowed. See, he had to borrow everything. He had to borrow a place for his birth. He had to borrow a manger to sleep in. He had to borrow houses to sleep in. He had to borrow a boat to preach from. He had to borrow a donkey to ride on into Jerusalem. He had to borrow a room for his friends to have the Lord's supper. And he had to borrow a tomb. But you know what else he borrowed? He borrowed a cross that wasn't even his. That cross was not made with Jesus Christ in mind. It was made with Barabbas in mind. But he took his cross. He took our cross. That cross had your name on it. It was made because you're a sinner. It was made because you fall short. It was made because you are guilty. And Jesus... Put his flesh and blood over your name on your cross to die your sinful death that you so rightly, I so rightly deserve. Jesus stepped in the gap because we have a gracious Savior. See, it's this picture also. See, back in the day, on the Day of Atonement, they would do this sacrifice that they called the scapegoat. And they would get two goats And they would take both goats and they would pray over both goats and they would symbolically place their sin on the head of these goats. One goat would immediately be slaughtered and taken as a sacrifice. The other goat would be spared and sent off into the wilderness. That's Barabbas. Barabbas loosely translated could be seen as the scapegoat. He was the one that was released as the other went to the cross. That beating was for Barabbas. That shame was intended for Barabbas. That was Barabbas's crown of thorns, that was Barabbas's nails. See You know what? Wait. It wasn't. Those were your nails. That was your crown, that was your sin, that was your tears, that was your pain, that was your cross. And Jesus hopped on the cross that he did not earn because he loves you. We think about the scene and we think about Barabbas being released. I just think about that moment. I don't think that Barabbas got off of the platform with Pilate and Jesus and started cheering I think he walked away completely dumbfounded. I think he walked away completely confused. I think he walked away thinking it was a joke or a trick and some Roman was just gonna scoop him up a couple seconds later. Yet he walked away and was freed. Do you wanna know how Jesus viewed this? I think Jesus wanted Barabbas to go free. Because Jesus loves Barabbas. Jesus loved Barabbas. And see, we're thinking how awful this is that this holy, perfect Savior would have to die on the cross meant for this sinner. But that's exactly what he does for us. And when I look at Barabbas, my goodness, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that Jesus loved Barabbas. I'm so grateful that he was willing to take his place because we are Barabbas. But see, some of us in this room, let me tell you something. It's as if you're Barabbas, you're standing in issues. you are guilty. And Jesus comes in and he says, give me his chains. Give me their debt. Give me the punishment that they deserve so they can go free. And I feel like we have people in this room that are sitting here right now that would make this argument, no, I I, I can do this. I can get myself out of these chains. I can handle this life on my own. I can figure this all out. I got myself into this mess. I can get myself out of this mess. And can I just tell you I'm speaking on behalf of Jesus today as I tell you that you will never get yourself out of the mess that you found yourself in. You will never pull yourself out of the pit that you fell in. You will never be able to clean yourself up. You will never be able to remove the sin in your life. And listen Christians, there's Christians in this room that are dealing with things that are in tense you guys are dealing with pain and shame and grief and guilt y'all you're dealing with anxiety and you're literally walking around with these things weighted on your shoulders and you're making this argument to yourself all the time i can handle it i can endure it no you won't jesus didn't die just for your sin he died for your shame and your pain and your grief he died and as he takes control of your life he wants you to place all of those things at the foot of the cross you were never intended to carry those things see we look at barabbas and we think that guy deserving we deserving of death deserving of shame but jesus loved barabbas jesus knew That he had to be treated like Barabbas in order for Barabbas to be treated like Jesus. Do you see that? That's the gospel. That is what we call substitutionary atonement. You want to know what that means? Jesus took your place. Jesus died on the cross that you deserve to die on. Hear me today. You'll never break it. Never break the chains of sin on your own. You'll never get rid of your guilt and your shame on your own. You'll never be able to handle and manage your stress on your own. Jesus died so that you could sacrifice all those over to him. Listen, in a moment, we're gonna open up this altar. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to get real with yourself. Y'all, I say this often, but I'm gonna say it again. I know there are people in this room that are not certain that they have a relationship with Jesus. I'm begging you, talk to somebody today before you leave. Let's make sure that you have that lined up. Come and talk to myself. Come and talk to Brother Jeremy. If you need to pray at the altar, pray at the altar. And some of you in this room, you're a Christian, but my goodness, you've been holding on to control. It's almost like you're embarrassed to show Jesus what you're dealing with. Can I, can I say something? There will never be a time When you talk to Jesus and he is surprised by what you're going through. Oh my goodness, I had no idea it was that bad down there. Oh my gosh, I had no clue that you were that depressed. Oh my goodness, I had no clue that you had that much shame. Oh my goodness, I had no idea that you're dealing with that much anxiety. Your sin does not embarrass Jesus. Give it over. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your word and God, I pray that your word, as we get into it, will get into us. Lord, we don't make much of topics. We make much of you. We make much of your word. And God, here's what I ask. I ask that you mm, ignite the word in our hearts so that we may live out your truth. God, I pray that we will surrender. I pray for those that do not have a relationship with you, God, that they will surrender. And God, I pray for those that are walking around, holding on to control. Holding on to guilt and grief and shame and pain and anxiety, God, I pray that they will surrender that at the foot of You. We're so grateful. In your name we pray. Amen. We stand.